Hello, I'm Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Christina G. Christina is a 26-year-old future surgeon, former Christian, and current leader. She spoke at the student clinician ceremony that kicked off my third year of medical school, and ever since then, I've been itching to sit down with her. In this conversation, we discuss her complicated relationship with a Christian faith, the separation of a cash cash register, and the importance of integrity. Before we talk more about Christina, I can talk a lot about Christina, and I will talk a lot about Christina. Talk want to talk about my long form Sundays posts. You can find these at mnmwod.com. That's mnmwod.com. The umbrella site for this project of on death and my long form Sundays posts. And uh, there I post a little reflection of the week every week since my first anatomy lab of medical school three, two and a half years ago now. And uh, on November 5th, 2017, I published On Giving Thanks once again. This week, I reflected on my life and and gave thanks. Life is wacky and keeps moving forward. And sometimes it is nice to resist the flow, to be thankful for what you have. Then the previous week, I published On Death Revisited. On October 29th, 2017, this week, I reflected on death, my interview series. A few conversations with friends have been ringing in my ears after learning about Alana Alana Karma, a previous interviewee and her struggle to live after a catastrophic car accident. Her friends and family put into perspective the value of this project. Anyway, go find that out. Alana Karma Go to her GoFundMe page. Uh, it's a weird URL, but if you look up uh, GoFundMe and Alana Karma, A-L-A-N-A, and then K-A-R-M-A, please consider donating to help allay the costs associated with such a prolonged and demanding hospital admission. Thank you. Back to Christina. Christina is a future surgeon and a female. Before Christina dies, she wants to make an impact on the people around her. When Christina dies, she wants to be content, to not be alone, and to be successful. After Christina dies, she wants the other people in her life to be okay. And in conclusion, Christina says, Be true to yourself and recognize what your values are. Become self-aware of what those values are and to hold on to those things. Hopefully those values are good values, and don't let anybody shake those values from you. So Christina, she is the, uh, you know, big little coach for my partner, Mackenzie. They met the first, I guess, week of her medical school, and I only really got to know uh, Christina. I only got a peek at her personality, as I mentioned earlier, at the student clinician ceremony. There, uh, she spoke really powerfully about her experiences in medical school, and I was like, hmm, this is a cool person. I'm going to sit down with her someday. And uh, I'm glad that this finally kind of happened halfway through this third year, after about six months after seeing her speak. It was like, oh, okay, this is happening. And uh, she was equally excited to, to sit down with me in the conversation. And, uh, you know, in, I, I told her after the interview um, that, uh, and, she's, and she agrees with me, that uh, she she seems like she's this really tight fist that is in in the process of, of relaxing and letting go, and uh, I see that in her that she, she said that she was uh, 
she would have, you know, two years ago, she would have never given that kind of a, a talk at the clinician ceremony. Uh, but it was a very honest, earnest and vulnerable discussion of, of, of her, of her experiences. And I was like, Oh, this is great. This is a good human. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see where she goes with her career. She's a fourth year now, sort of doing the whole interview circuit. Uh, match day is about four months away for her. So she's got a long countdown road to uh, figuring out where she's going to go and what exactly she's going to be doing. But I know that whatever she's going to do is going to be some really cool stuff because I can tell how important it is for her to be a mentor and to be a leader in, in her field. And so I really think that she's going to be a badass a surgeon and a really cool uh, a mentor for future medical students, for, for people that are interested in the field and just for, you know, people that want to be good humans. And she's also someone that I will be really interested in, uh, in sitting down with her in, a, in maybe five years and maybe 10 years uh, after the, after this interview to sort of see where she's at in life and, and what changes have happened in her life. And, uh, uh, where she's going and what, what she's, and how, and, you know, the intervening time. Cause, um, you know, uh, we talk a lot about, uh, some of the changes in her life. Um, and I really am interested in seeing where she goes. So, um, I hope that you have, uh, not zoned out entirely while I have rambled about all sorts of things. Um, I hope that you are boiling some water for some tea or some coffee. I hope that you have, um, you know, in the next hour or so, ready to hear uh, Christina G talk about death through the four prompts. Uh, it is October 30th, 2017, and I'm sitting here in Christina Georgiades' house. Pretty good. All right, I'll take it. Um, in Brandingsville, Pennsylvania, and we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Uh, Christina, what are the four prompts? The four prompts are I am, before I die, I want. When I die, I want. And after I die, I want. Excellent. And how do you finish that first prompt? I am. Um, I have to go with now with what's most relevant to my life is I am a future surgeon. Ah, what, is that, what does that mean? Because uh, I know surgeon is such a, you know, it's such a big field. They're, they require so much physical tactile skill. What yeah. does it mean to be a future surgeon, to like know that that's in your future, that's coming up for you? And yeah, so I feel it's, important to provide a little bit of background on that and mm -hmm. why it's kind of big for me to say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it took me a while to be able to own that and to say it. Mm -hmm. um, I think a part of it's because I went into third year not thinking I wanted to do surgery um, and actually thinking I wanted to do psychiatry. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh. So it's been a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a rare pull. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I've heard is not so uncommon. Mm. Um, and so it took me a while to get to that point, And I think, Part of the reason why I stayed, not stayed away, but didn't really keep it on my radar was fear. Um, going into surgery, for me at least, is is a big decision. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it's one that requires uh, a, lev a level of responsibility that is terrifying, <laughs> yeah. if you think about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it just took me a while to to own it. And I think that goes back to what I was talking with you a little bit earlier about mm -hmm. confidence and, um, and like sort of like realization of that. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. And just not being like, Oh, I'm a medical student going into surgery or, you know, oh, yeah. or, you know, I'm choosing general surgery, but being able to say, no, I am going to be a future surgeon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. It's sort of like the difference between saying like, I, I, 
I make art versus I am an artist. Yeah. Like it's like that. Like I, I, I this is the thing. When, yeah. Do you recall the first time you kind of said that out loud to somebody? I'm, I'm going, I'm a future surgeon. I don't think I, I don't know if I've actually said it out loud other than this point. Oh, really? Oh, so, okay, cool. So yeah. <laughs> so mazel tov. <laughs> um, I think it was a slow progression rather than a a concrete moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely started owning it actually this more, this past rotation because I want to be a pediatric surgeon. Oh, okay. And so when I did seven weeks of pediatric surgery straight um, and was doing, you know, what I wanted to do long-term potentially Mm -hmm. um, and I was doing a good job and, enjoying it <laughs> mm-hmm. that's i think the moment where i was like yeah i'm true. doing this <laughs> what um what is the draw to you for surgery um like because uh, i haven't done my surgery rotation yeah, yet yeah. um and i don't know if like everyone is familiar with it but like what what like what makes you walk it's sort of like walk into the or or walk into the patient's room as as like with the surgical surgical team and be like oh this is my jam yeah uh and with that answer comes the answer of why was I torn between psychiatry and surgery? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they both delve into deep issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and one more physically. Um, I think that draw that it's so focused um, in deep uh is kind of part of the reason why. Um, but then the differentiating between the two, I love working with my hands. Um, I think there's a level of artistry that comes with surgery um, and perfection. And uh, I definitely fit that mold. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that took a little bit of realization too. I was like, oh man, I really am. <laughs> Um, and I think it's just an environment thing. Like it's just a comfort, like when you're in the OR with, with like your team and it's a very team oriented thing, which is what Mm -hmm. I love as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's nothing like greater than being with a great team, with a great attending, with great residents, with a great OR staff nursing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that just is like, yeah, this is awesome. And I think I, when I say I'm, I'm a future surgeon, like I say that looking towards the future because I aspire to be, um, somebody who promotes that type of environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's something that is like the surgical field has such a reputation for being yeah. kind of like sometimes malignant, sometimes yeah. really like not, not the best learning environment, not the best, you know uh, like if you don't like a good team is something that, it, that that kind of culture needs to be reinforced on a daily basis. And it is reinforced on a daily basis, either in a good direction or a poor direction. Yeah. And um, have you like, what, uh, what, about that is so like, have you worked in teams uh, before? And is, is this sort of like, uh, for me, my background is in rowing and crew. Right. Um, and so like, I have that, I like love teams. I love working uh, and I, yeah. can, I can identify uh, like rel- relatively quickly the dynamics of like, Oh, this is not a great mm-hmm. environment or this is like, Oh, these people have figured it out somehow. Like, how do you, um, where, where does that kind of basis come from for you? So I have a um, heavy background in sports growing up, mm. and that's another reason why being in the OR reminds me a lot of like sports mm. and when I used to play sports, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. And I played soccer growing up mm-hmm. um, throughout elementary school. I never did club, but I did a lot of rec and then high school. Um, 
and I was a goalkeeper. And um, I just loved the team dynamic on it. I loved my position. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, goalkeepers is a unique position on the team. Um, And then I also did track and cross country. And I think from then, you know, being so extensively in sports, I was able to see good leadership, bad bad leadership, good Mm -hmm. teams, bad teams. Um, I was a coach for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I did coaching for soccer uh, during my freshman year of undergrad um, for my high school team. Mm. Um, And also did a lot of mentorship for track and cross country and soccer, uh, track and cross country between summers of my undergrad. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. Um, I loved being in all those roles, like not only being in the experience of doing it, but then growing to be a leader and a mentor mm-hmm. for those in it. Like feeding back. Into feeding this. back. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I like, so when I say I am a future surgeon, I, I mean it not just the surgery part of it, but the all encompassing part of it and what it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I understand that surgery has that reputation, but I definitely want to pay it forward with the fantastic attendings and residents I've worked with that have motivated, helped motivate me to do surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surgery. Like I see actually like it, it's a weird thing. Like in both surgery and psychiatry, I see those as two fields that are going to change a lot over the yeah. next like generation of like yeah. with these, with this round of physicians that are kind of rolling through and becoming, getting into a resident and attending positions is, is things are changing a lot in, in surgical, in the surgical world, both just like, you know, there's the technology aspect, which is crazy. Um, yeah. But then there's also like the cultural aspect, you know, getting away from that old boys club and getting very yeah. patriarchal. And then also in psychiatry, it's also like things are changing so much in terms of just like, what do we even think of mental health? Like yeah. there, there are two fields that important. are like crazy. Yeah. Changing yeah. A lot, so much. What draws you to pediatrics in like specifically? Because that's yeah. like, it's one thing to like operate on a person. And then it's a whole other thing to operate yeah. on a person, but smaller. Yeah. And that's another thing. I didn't think I would ever do pediatrics going into third year. So it's funny, I'm combining the two. <laughs> um, well, I like how when you, I'm going to start with the objectives. When you operate on, in the pediatric world, you go from, you know, day-old babies to 18-year-olds, which are essentially adults. So just that breadth mm-hmm, <laughs> of variety to me is intriguing. Um, I've seen, and actually a lot of people have said this, so it's not just a medical student speaking, um, pediatric surgeons, from my understanding, tend to be some of the last true general surgeons in that mm-hmm. things don't get parceled out to specialties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's going to change in the future, but that's my understanding of it now and from what I've seen. Um, so I think that's really cool that you get to do a lot. Like you have you access went- to a huge toolbox of like skills. Yeah. Like you have to practice at home a lot. Yeah. No, and, and not just at home, but you know, things in the adult world that would be go toward like specialties, Mm -hmm. subspecialties you get to do as a general pediatric surgeon because there's not the subspecialties that exist in the adult world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the pathology of peds is um, really cool (laughs) for me. It's intriguing. So that's the objectives. Um, More subjectively, I love working with kids. That's really the, bread and butter of it all. And I save the objective things because they're important. But at the end of the day, for me, it's the subjective things that are more important than mm-hmm. which, and what drives me. Um, and I think I would love, I love the multidisciplinary aspect that goes into peds in general. What um, do you mean by that? 
like the mental health aspect mm-hmm. and not that it's not stress in adults, but I, you know, I just, I just got done reading a book by a pediatric surgeon. And I remember he was talking about a story where in a children's hospital, um, there's this child that had been severely burned and the psychiatrist came around with them on rounds because they, the understanding that, you know, especially in a child, like, making sure they're active and playing and developing yeah. and their mm-hmm. mental health is just as important to their recovery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as is the surgical and the medical side of things. And especially with involvement of families. And I remember reading that and thinking, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, caring for the whole. Human. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to my interest in psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's fair. And it's a, uh, is like what what kind of uh practice do you want to have like do you know like like the general like the general pediatric surgeon like do you know like kind of like where you would want to be any of that kind of future stuff that i cannot answer yet <laughs> who knows where i will be <laughs> all right that's fair and that's you know i want to do pediatric surgery but at the end of the day mm-hmm. things changed so gotcha i definitely in in general i'm keeping an open mind but uh, did you have a religious or spiritual upbringing to your childhood? I did. Um, I uh, grew up initially Greek Orthodox. Um, a lot of my extended family is Greek Orthodox. Um, and then me and my parents split from that and became non-denominational, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like a general Christianity not associated with like Baptist or Episcopalian, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised like that um, and in the church until um, just in general. I went to a Christian high school. Um, And then me, myself, and it's interesting that I'm about to talk about this publicly and it'll go on my Facebook. So (laughs) I'm like, um, I don't really prescribe to it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And for a lot of people in my past too, I went to high school with, that probably shocks them. And would shock them if, if they listen to this. Um, yeah, because I was basically kind of the billboard poster child of my Christian high school. <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so it's interesting having that change. Um, and I think that's part of the whole, like, confidence thing and owning who I am that I was referring to earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, that plays a large part in it because it's been difficult. Yeah, especially, um, like, Correct, please correct me if yeah, I'm wrong. No, you're good. Um, like cr- Greek Orthodox is sort of like I only I only studied it through the lens of like the Byzantine Empire. Yeah. Um, but like it is, it's sort of like this odd kind of mix of Catholicism and like and like kind of like um, other like w- like stronger Eastern like almost Russian influences. Is that correct? Or am I? You totally probably wrong? know more about it than I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I said, I left it pretty early. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, and fair, so fair. yeah, it was it was more. Th- yeah, I think I left that. Gosh. Elementary school. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was, was way you were, oh, yeah. you were way squishy back then. Okay. It was yeah, yeah. It was more the the non denominational Christianity okay. that dominated mm-hmm. my upbringing and like who I grew up to be. And yeah, so tell me about that. Tell me about your relationship to that religion. To to like how you got to here now. Yeah. Um, the change started happening in undergrad of college, which is what a lot of um, Christians fear when their kids go off to college. <laughs> yes, um, I think it was just going out and 
being with other people that were different than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit, I you know, growing up in that, I viewed the world through that lens. Um, and as a result of it, and this is how I manifested my use of religion, and I'm not saying anybody anybody who's in a religion does the same, mm-hmm. but for me, I unfortunately manifested a lot through being judgmental. Mm. Um, and not to say everybody does that, but that was just, for me, how it worked. And I think going out and seeing new things, it eventually just started to change. Um, and then other things in Christianity just started not making sense to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, once you see something, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, you know, people who are atheists or agnostic and find Christianity and become Christians will often say they became more empathetic when they became Christians later in life. Mm-hmm. I'll say the same thing for being a Christian and having it be the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I feel like as a person, as a future doctor, for me, I, I've just become way, I'm not judgmental at all anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I've just, my empathy is just so much more. Um, and there's other parts of it too that un- unfortunately I can't discuss <laughs> on here. Um, that maybe I'll, I'll share with you after. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other parts to it. But um, yeah, it's definitely been a, an interesting transition. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's parts of my family that don't necessarily agree with it. Mm-hmm. And I get a, you know, it's created some tension. Um, but yeah. That's kind of the transition with that. <laughs> yes. Is there, do you, do you have any, like, uh, do you feel like you have a spiritual practice or do you, do you feel like that anything's kind of come in that vacuum or is it more of like a humanist approach that you have in that it's just like, we're all kind of messed up a little bit. Like, let's just roll with it from there. I think that, I, I, I think part of me, it was just so, it's going to sound dramatic, but over it at mm-hmm. that time to the point where I haven't really thought about it much, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. in med school. And that's no excuse because you should think about those things. Um, but I definitely do focus more on the humanist side of things. Mm-hmm. Do I think that, could I ever be an atheist? No. Do I think there's like something out there? Um, yeah, absolutely. Something weird's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, too many, too many creepy things still happen in my life where I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't just completely say no, but, mm-hmm. um, I can't, I, I don't, I can't prescribe either to how I was raised either anymore. And, uh, maybe I heard this wrong, but sort of the, the idea of like going of like the, the like going through like medical school and like seeing all these people, um, kind of changed that, like that judgmental aspect of yourself. And, yeah. uh, was, was it like just going through the clinics and just seeing like, ha- like people and, and like in their like sort of vulnerable states or what, what the change was actually before medical school. Oh, okay. Um, I had a year off mm-hmm. between undergrad and, um, medical school, which was both like a double-edged sword <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, up until that point, like I worked extremely hard in undergrad. So it was go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And then I finally had this pause that I didn't ha- have never had in my life, really. Because, mm-hmm. you know, who, who gets a gap year as going from high school to college? Like, that, unless you take time off before college, that usually doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I'm a very traditional student in that sense. Um, and I think having that time off is, like, towards the end of undergrad, and in that time off is when I really started to have my eyes opened. 
see. What did you do? People I met. <laughs> um, I worked. Uh, I did research. Um, and I volunteered. So kind of more uh, stayed busy. Mm-hmm. But definitely, there's a difference between going to do your school or work function, mm-hmm. coming home to study, then having your school work function and not having to study. Exactly. I'm <laughs> like, oh, I'm done. Then, yeah. Yeah. That, that like, uh, I worked for a couple of years. I, I had took four years off between undergrad and med school. And it was lovely. Yeah. But also it was like being able to just like work the nine to five. And yeah. it's just like, oh, this is so nice. I can, I can see why yeah. people get into it. I, um, I think a huge part of it too. And I nearly forgot this part is, um, this might seem like really odd. Um, I had, since I grew up in the same area and worked at the same job in retail for quite a few years, mm-hmm. I would get a break from my job and actually go to a Starbucks. Um, that was right near there for my breaks. Mm-hmm. And I went there for years. <laughs> and it was in my year off that I started working more and taking more breaks. Um and was able to go there more. And I started to get to really know the people that worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, and became friends with them. Like hang out outside of the with store. The yeah. the, like Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Like go out um, and socialize type of hangout. Become friends. Mm-hmm. And this group of people like. They're you know liberal. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think they're very you know. Unique and I mean that in a great way. Type of people. Um, that just really made an impact on me. And I think they were kind of also kind of the catalyst that made me start being like, oh, I really think differently now. Mm-hmm. Cause it's funny. I tell one of my, one of my closest friends, I often tell her if we had met two years prior, we would not be having this conversation and we would not be friends. Mm. And so, yeah. 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 Those kind of avenues of friends, unexpected friends yeah. <laughs> like from, from groups that you like totally orthogonal, totally like not how you would expect, you know, cause if you go, if you go to high school, you're going to meet people in your high school. You're going to meet people with your sports scenes, but they're very much within that bubble. Yeah. But like, um, that, that, like that, li- that little register separate this can, can create such a gulf between two humans. Like, you know, yeah. like the, I'm getting a service and I demand this versus like, Oh, you're cool. You're a cool person. Yeah. Let's talk. <laughs> that, that, that is such an interesting way that how people approach that divide. Um, it can tell you a lot about how, and how random is that? Right. Like yeah. how absolutely random that is. Mm-hmm. It'll probably never happen again <laughs> <laughs> with a group of people that are, you know, my Starbucks baristas. Oh, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. them. <laughs> so you are a future surgeon. Yes. Uh, what else are you? Um, I think going along with that, I'm a female. Female. And and how does that, what does that mean to you? In this day and age? <laughs> <laughs> um, a growing confidence, but with a struggle. Mm-hmm. I know that might be a weird way to answer that question. Um, I think that goes back to also saying I am a future surgeon. Um, because it's, definitely changing but a woman in surgery is still lent, leans more towards the minority than the majority mm-hmm. although mm-hmm. it is um changing um and i think that's something i've really had to own a lot more and that is wrapped up as well in the christianity um oh how so being raised more conservatively I tended to toe the party line of like 
feminism is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing. Women don't really struggle that much more than men do. Mm-hmm. I maybe would say, you know, like, yeah, equal pay is still not a thing. But outside of that, I just didn't really think of it. Mm-hmm. And same goes for any minority population. <laughs> I just didn't think of those things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't even like it was it just an idea. Radar. It was just yeah. like it was just something you'd read about or hear about, not like see or, or experience. yeah, or even think about really. Mm-hmm. And so as I started to you know move away from religion and going into medicine and really starting to think about those things more again in the year off that I had, mm-hmm. you know, I started to just really be like, wow, there's still a major problem that exists um, in anything, mm-hmm. not just medicine. And how it's a social, cultural problem. Um, and, you know, and then around that time later, Black Lives Matter started and um, the LGBT movement and started get you know, with um, equal marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's like, you know what, like, there's something that's a little bit more important here than, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than not considering those things. Is that... Um... How I guess this this might sound like an odd question. Uh, how has how has your relationship to your um, to your femaleness to your I don't want to say femininity, but like you know, like how to to your identity as a female? How has that changed through through the years? Because I I know it's it's gone through the the broad swings of you and your Christianity, but like yeah. um, do you, do you feel like there's a like a difference? Because let me put it this way: because for myself, um, I identified very di- very differently as a korean when i was younger versus how i identify yeah. as a korean now and a lot of that has to do with like broader changes in the culture but at the same time like i would i would try i would like i would know that i look different but i would not like really let it sit inside me yeah you know? that's a good question some of these things I feel like they make sense in my brain, mm-hmm. but saying them out loud is not <laughs> sounding the way I want it to all the time. Changes, yeah, it's like it sounds so much more poetic in my head. <laughs> um, I think part of it with that is just recognizing that there still is a difference in owning that there's a difference in a struggle. Mm. Um, what what is it they say about this is completely different, but like addiction with like first step is recognizing that there's a problem Mm -hmm. it's kind of that and along with that just not being like oh i'm a person or oh i'm a future surgeon oh i'm a future doctor but like i am a future female surgeon i'm a future female doctor just Mm -hmm. i'm a female Mm -hmm. and um there's some who disagree with that line of thought and I, I respect that they'll say well you shouldn't want there to still be a differentiating part like mm-hmm. you just want to be able to say i'm a surgeon because it shouldn't matter if you're male or female so it's like that mm-hmm. double-edged sword which yes. i i understand that mentality i really truly do but where i have a problem with it is that there's still a problem that exists mm-hmm. like for example like i had a conversation with Mackenzie, my partner. Yeah. And I was telling her like, Oh, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm talking with all these older, older folks. And like, uh, some of them are starting to call me doc. And I'm like, Oh, it's kind of nice. Like they're calling me like doc and yeah. like, as a, as a good like, later doc, see you later doc. And I'm like, Oh, it's really nice. And so then I asked Mackenzie, like how many times have you been called doc? And I can she's only imagine like, where that's going. And, and then, yeah. Going. And then she says like, you know, you really should be asking me how many times I've been called nurse or PA. 
Or sweetheart. Yeah. Or princess. And it's just like, I'm like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I didn't think about it, but like, yeah. So now, now when they call me Doc, I'm like, oh, you're just you're just identifying me as a dude. Like that's all that's really yeah. happening. It's not really like there's that. I, it's it, it kind of changed it for me once once we had that conversation. I was like, oh, dang. Yeah. 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 And that's an unfortunate thing. It's I, and it I don't is. I don't know. It's not it's not males' fault though. No. Like it's, it's in my classmates' males, but like yeah yeah. I don't know what to do about it, but I'm I'm uh, more acutely aware of it, and it's one of those things where it like, kind of happens in layers that I have that realization of just how much like oh me being a dude is so much easier. <laughs> like, yeah. Unfortunately, so but it is. It's one of those unfortunate realities that you know, and in, in some ways I kind of ride those coattails, but in other ways I'm like I really need to like just recognize it. Yeah. And that's part of it with anything. Mm-hmm. There's there's you know, I'm white, and so there's some cultural things where I'm like. I need to learn about, educate myself on. And mm, mm. I tend to feel like if somebody from that culture, ethnicity is explaining something to me that there's a problem, I should probably listen mm-hmm, mm. because they're speaking from experience. <laughs> um, and that's definitely been part of my evolution the past few years, along with everything else. Um Sort of like a lack of judgment as well as like a humility. Yeah. Just like, I probably don't know this. Yeah. So I should probably listen and educate myself rather than just pointing a finger and be like, no, you don't have this problem. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really easy for me to potentially sit on whatever high horse I could potentially have and be like, no, you don't have this problem when I've never experienced it because I'm not that. Mm -hmm. I'm not a different race or ethnicity. Yeah. Yeah. That's always one of those things. Like, if I could live one year as like a little... Um, Bangladeshi girl. Yeah. I learned so much about the world. You know? Right. Just, just Unfortunately, change. in an unfortunate way. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, much more than I probably will learn over the next 10 years as, as a Korean dude. It's just, it's just wild yeah. to think about. Yeah. And so uh, you are a future surgeon. You are a female. Is there anything else? No, we covered the religion thing. That would have been probably the only mm-hmm. other thing I would have touched on that's off the top of my head. Those are some big, big topics. Yeah. To cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, how do you finish the next prompt? Before I die, I want. Before I die, I want. I think. I think I want to make this goes back to the surgery thing. Part of me hates that I keep referring to the surgery thing. It's all right. But it, I feel like it's encompassing more for me of than just a career thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of who I want to be and encompass as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think before I die, I want, as cliche as it sounds, to make an impact, a genuine impact on the people around me. Is there an example that you're kind of following? Is there like a specific attending resident that you're kind of thinking of when you, when you sort of like, when you're like, I want to make a change and it's like kind of like somebody that has inspired that within you or is this, or in, in probably good ways and probably also bad ways. You're like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I do want to do this. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to talk about the bad ones, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but thankfully I've been blessed to have very good ones. And these are at multiple institutions, not just LVHN, but some Mm -hmm. of the externships I did. Um, you know, the paid surgeons at LVHN are awesome, great role models to the point where I, I met with one of them. And I remember looking at this person and thinking in my head, like, I want to be this person when I grow up. And I'm not <laughs> the type of person that thinks that way. Okay. Uh-huh. 
And so, and part of it is just like when I say I want to make an impact on people, it's not just patients. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the environment I want to cultivate around me. Mm. Um, I want a positivity, one where everyone feels welcome. Mm -hmm. And this just not just goes for the OR, but in my personal life as well. Um, I want people to feel comfortable around me. Um, And so it sometimes feels self, it feels a little self-serving to say I want to make an impact on people. But like, there's a reason for it because I think I, I look at the people that have made an impact on me, mm-hmm. and I recognize how important that was for driving my life's direction. Mm-hmm. Not just attending, but before med school. Um, and I want to pay it forward, so to speak. Because mm-hmm. um, you never, I, I'm one that thinks that you never know what one act of kindness can do to a person. You never know what a person's going through. Mm-hmm. You never know what they're thinking and maybe just one act of empathy or humility can change a person's day or can change a person's life at the right time. And you might not ever know that. Exactly. And that's happened with me with others and I'm so cognizant and I keep those things in mind. Mm. Yeah. Is there, do you have like a specific story about that? Sort of like somebody just doing something or saying something at that, like one moment that kind of has stuck with you. Trying to think of an attending story. Because um, with the Pete Surgeons at LVHN, it's just a general environment thing. Mm. Um, I, you know what? It's not, I can go back to the Starbucks stories that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, I went out with, with two of them, um, Chris and Shauna, and we were sitting at Super Bowl Sunday. I'll never forget it. And we're talking, and I look at, I look at, Shauna, who's now a friend of mine, and I tell her I'm going to be a doctor. And this is before med school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is when I'm interviewing for medical school. And she starts explaining the story that's important to her. Um, and it definitely set the tone. I remember that moment so specifically because what the story was about was all about a doctor truly caring mm. and showing empathy and listening mm-hmm. and taking the time. And I have never forgotten that story. Um, And I always remember that story. And in fact, if you look at my coat, there's a coffee bean pin on it. (laughs) And people ask me about that. I don't even know how to begin explaining that story. (laughs) And it's, it's a reminder of when times get tough and when I'm tired and burnt out. Um, Just, I remember that. Mm -hmm. And I remember what I, the type of doctor in person I want to be, you know, one that listens, one that cares and isn't judgmental. And even if I don't agree or Mm -hmm. I don't understand, I'm just going to take the time and be kind. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is uh, like, you, you almost need like a little totem to remind yourself every once in a while, because you can't, you so you like with a, a, like a long day, things can get real weird by the end of it, in the middle of it. That's why I keep it on there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is a nice little bean. Yep. Bravo. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> a little coffee bean. And yeah. I just also really like coffee, so. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, and, uh, like, your discussion of, like, those attendings that have made an impact on you and you almost wanting to to preserve that idea and send it forward, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, Like, that's, it, uh, there's this, like, idea of, like, how do you measure, take the measure of a master? And uh, yeah. you can talk about how high they can jump, how hard they can kick, but uh, 
uh, one way is to measure how many masters they've created themselves because that that's sort of that propagation wow, that's really good. right it's yeah. because it's like it's, forget that. it's one of those things like if you keep it inside it's like cool bro like awesome but it's like you paying it forward sending it like bringing it out there True. is 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 really important and you know how many how many future surgeons will you maybe inspire if you have like if you have that like wonderful pediatric surgical room where everyone's like this is awesome yeah yeah and so definitely um, that's the only way to train up, for lack of better words, both in life and in whatever profession somebody chooses to do is by paying it forward in that way mm-hmm. and being mindful of those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it's just definitely looking back and just from that moment, socializing with a Starbucks barista became a friend to working with attendings or working with classmates and it all is layers upon layers upon layers and like almost like a building staircase. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the staircase will ever end though. Mm-hmm. And there's also patient experiences. I mean, I, you see, I, I guess you've seen some of this stuff I've written lately. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that stuff just weighs on you and makes me think and, Patients often educate me and teach me as much as I might mm-hmm. yeah, and potentially that, teach them. And that's one thing that I've noticed is like it, there's in some students or in like, you know, just just the world, like pe- some people come into medical school without having that like li- that humility yeah. or that, that understanding that they can teach you a lot too. And, yeah. and like um, that understanding of like, like that a lesson can come from at any angle from like which wherever you might not expect it to come from versus just the attending and like that they have like yeah. a laser focus on that. It's a very it's a very interesting thing and, and it's very easy to tell when somebody has that humility uh, when you're in in a program with somebody else. Yeah. So you can tell like oh this person is they they got it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's another thing too that's kind of shaped everything that we've been talking about is just my openness to learning from everybody including patients, not just people who are above me in status or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope that continues to to stay true moving forward. I have no doubt that, you know, as an attending, maybe some medical student is going to come in and say something just, like, really profound and, like, wow, like, this person is really great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you never know. And you do people a disservice when... And you just, like, put them in that box of, like, you're behind the register. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, you're yeah. the student with a clipboard. And yeah. I think that's, you know, one of the many things I've learned this past year. Mm-hmm. And so you want to, before you die, you want to make an impact on the people around you. Uh, what yeah. else do you want? Um, trying to make sure I don't answer, give some of my answers to the future <laughs> ones. <laughs> um... I just had something and then I forgot what it was. Is there, is, is there anywhere you want to, is, is it like important for you to go anywhere before you die? Are there any like, do you have any like bucket list items? Yeah, I would, I would love to travel more. I forget about that stuff. I'm thinking more on like a spiritual. Yeah, that works too. You can get as weird as you want. Let's let's talk, let's talk about the other, other parts of it. Um, Yeah, I definitely think. Um, before I die, I want, I would love to travel more. Um, cause you know, growing up, I did the family vacations to mm-hmm. the Bahamas and cruises mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I've been to Italy, but I've never really been anywhere outside of that. I've been to South America a few times, different parts. 
um, particularly like Asian countries. Mm-hmm. Japan is one place I would love to go. Mm-hmm. I love the culture of Japan. And they do urbanization so differently. Yeah. They do it here. Like they're, they're just like, it's like they all like sat down. They're like, all right, there's too many of us in too small of a place, but we're going to figure this yeah, out. Yeah, and they figured it out well. <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, all right, let's just sweep everything yeah. and take care of really good care of stuff. And uh, versus, uh, you know, like if you go to New York City, you're like, this is, how does this madness stay afloat? Yeah. So I would love to, for example, they're one of my top places I would love to go. I think their culture of just, um, there's some parts of their culture I don't like, um, and I think it's concerning for the future. Like they're having some, I guess, population issues. Oh, yeah, yeah. People don't want to get married and mm-hmm. birth rates and stuff like that. But I think they do solitude and being content really well. Mm-hmm. That's something I need to get better at. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's tough. It's it's a tough practice because it's like there are so many ways to not be alone. Yeah, and maybe that's another thing. Before I die, I want to become better at slowing down, mm. um, because as a future surgeon, <laughs> going back to the I am, I have a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a reason why I want to. There's a, multiple reasons why I want to be a surgeon, and <laughs> my you know my work habits and my mind works in a way that's like a little hamster wheel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once you um, get off one, you jump right on the other. Yeah. And it's hard for me to the point where sometimes, you know, after I get on break or I have a moment um, to stop, I have a hard time with it. Like mm-hmm. physically, like the day or two after I get done with like a rotation or a semester back in college, I have a hard time reorienting myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because my mind, I, I, I just can't slow my mind down. It takes me a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, yeah. A, there's like a certain aspect where it's like you, you, it's almost like even hard to cultivate that in when you're in it. Like it's, it's so hard. Like, how do you, how do you do it? Yeah. Cause the, like, even if you take like, let's say like the 20 minutes a day to meditate, it's still like that's 20 minutes of a day of a crazy day yeah. where you're running around and doing all these, all these things. And you might hold somebody's heart literally in your hands. It's like one of those, I don't, that's, I understand, I, I empathize and, and resonate with that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, it's really hard. Yeah. And see, I, I, I feel like, do you meditate? Uh, very infrequently. Do you? Okay. <laughs> People who do, I don't know if Nick still does it, but I feel like he probably still does it. Mm-hmm. I so admire them. Because I have tried to just make dedicated time to like, chillax in that way mm. and it just does not happen so i've really had to own my own methods of slowing down whether it's going for a run mm-hmm. which i feel like is totally acceptable it is yeah reading a book that's non-medical that's <laughs> one of my favorite things to do what is a book that you have finished recently Ooh. <laughs> so maybe not the best example but i just finished <laughs> reading uh the girl on the train it was like a murder. It was like a. It's like a murder, like a oh, okay. suspense, like Gone Girl. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Along yeah. that line, so more of like I needed a quick, like, mm-hmm. like trash novel to read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before that, I actually read. Is that Tyler? Oh, he's back. An Unquiet Mind um, by a, I believe, a psychologist out of Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's her autobiography. Um, on dealing with having bipolar disorder. I think I've heard someone recommended it. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty popular in like the psych world. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. Yeah. It was interesting hearing somebody who's gone through like true manic phases and has been like attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like putting like a, that like kind of author spin on it where you like really get into their brain. Yeah. 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 And so I, I read pretty much 
like anything. Before that, I read the book by the pediatric surgeon. Mm. So you don't get too far away from medical stuff. No, no. (laughs) I seem to be on a memoir autobiography kick. Mm -hmm. And now I'm reading The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls. Yeah, it's just made into a movie. Um, It's pretty popular. Um, It's another autobiography on just this little, starting from when she was a little girl and just a really rough upbringing with like nomadic parents, so to speak, that Mm. were just kind of con artists. Not con artists isn't the right word, but... Hustlers? Kind of. Like couldn't maintain a stable job. Mm. Yeah, they were hustlers. (laughs) Yeah, now that I think about it. (laughs) Just really poor upbringing, moving mm. from place to place, often because dad got fired, was an alcoholic, mm. like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to keep myself pretty uh, eclectic when it comes to it's good. my reading habits. That keeps you, you know, <laughs> otherwise if you get, I, I got into a, a weird, weird mind space, like rolling through a, like a, like a four book series on audiobook. So it was really? like the only, it was the same narrator through the whole thing. So it was just like, I just got really deep into that for like yeah. a couple of weeks. And I was just like, I think really differently now. And I yeah. need to like get out of it. I need to like, get like open, widen things up a little bit. Just because yeah, like being able to like get those different perspectives is really. Important. Yeah. But I can go from reading. I've learned like the whole Game of Thrones series. Mm-hmm. Like I can read that. It, it just, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the author Haruki Murakami. I did. I He's one to. of my favorites actually. Yeah. I don't know what it is about his his books. So weird and dreamy and like But they're so based in reality. Yeah. It's like fantastical reality. I don't know yeah. if that's even a thing, but some of the statements he makes that are so and maybe part of it's a translation from Japanese to English. Mm-hmm. They're so simply stated but so profound mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and based in reality, even in these supernatural, like ethereal environments that I don't know, it just clicks with my brain. I get you. Yeah. He also makes sandwiches sound way better than I think that they really are. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. His characters eat a lot of sandwiches, and I'm yeah. always like, oh, that sounds really good. And all the main characters that he uses are always, like, the most... And I think he does this on purpose. Like, they're meant to be boring. Yeah, just like... Like, the main characters are so boring, but all the other characters around him or her are always these larger-than-life, like, characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you know who Maricon is. Not many <laughs> people do. Yeah, especially in the medical field, people are like, what do you mean? <laughs> Probably describes why I'm going to be a, a, a different, I don't want to say different type of surgeon, but... A new breed. Yeah, I don't know, a new breed, because definitely there's some awesome people of it, but mm-hmm. sometimes I wonder if I fit the mold. But I know I do, but there's some parts of me I'm like, huh. <laughs> so uh, you want to... Uh, make a difference in the people around you. You want to travel more. Um, what else? I would love to start a coffee shop. Yeah? I would love to. Do you know, uh, like, what what kind of vibe would it be when you walk in Ooh. there? It would probably be based off my preference. Um, I definitely, I make it a habit whenever I go to a new city to check out the coffee shops in that mm-hmm. city. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I've learned that I love the more almost like industrial feel. Oh, unexpected. All right. Like the more austere. A lot of stainless steel. Yeah. yeah. Um, bordering on minimalistic, although some places can be too minimalistic mm-hmm. um, type of feel. Like, if you, did you ever go to any in Tampa? Mm-hmm. 
like Buddy Brew and DI Coffee are some of my favorite places. Yeah, okay, okay. I kind of know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, Felicitous. Did you ever go to Felicitous? Mm-hmm. Liked it. I can go there, but not the type of vibe that I would. Yeah, okay. If I had to choose one or the other, I'd choose definitely the more like. Like austere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I get it. Why? 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 Why a coffee shop? Why a coffee shop? Yeah. So you have access to unlimited coffee? Is well, that, that too. Because <laughs> I like coffee. And I would definitely have one with, like, food and, like, wine and beer options, too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Um, I think of just maybe probably it stems from my own experience, even though it's interesting because that's a Starbucks. I do love me some Starbucks, I will say. Um, I think of what it can represent. It can be so many things for so many different people. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a place to work. Um, it could be a place to get away, be a place to socialize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I just really like that aspect of it. Like I know whenever, even if I am in the strangest city that I have never been to before, I can go to a coffee shop and sit down and either read or work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the coffee might be different. The baristas might be different, different environment, but it's all still the same at the end of the day. And for me, it's like talking about home, talking mm-hmm. about people. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it can also be about a feel. And to me, it just feels comfortable. Like I can be feeling anxious about being in a new spot, but that to me like calms my anxiety. Yeah, just something about that like uh, like almost transience, but like not, yeah. but it's like semi-permanent. And it's like, yeah, I, I kind of get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. And so... I think, too, it, part, it fits my personality because, you know, the MBTI stuff we had to do. Mm-hmm. I'm technically an introvert, mm-hmm. um, but I'm just over the cusp into introversion. And so I think coffee shops fit my need of being a- around people, but being alone mm-hmm. <laughs> around people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really just suits my personality, and I like that. Same reason why I like big cities sometimes. They can walk around and nobody knows you're there. Yeah, it is a lovely feeling. It really is. Like sometimes being alone, like like being surrounded by people, but being alone is nice. Sometimes that could be a little overwhelming. But there are, yeah, those kind of specific environiments, like a coffee yeah. shop or, or walking on the street, can just be like, oh, this is kind of nice. And I get torn sometimes because it depends how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do want to be in more like rural, like quiet setting, genuinely quiet settings. Mm-hmm. Is there? A, do you have so? Something that I'm picking up from you uh, is between the, like, your your desires as, like, what you want to accomplish as a surgeon in terms of, like, being able to create more of a, uh, that kind of culture that, that, that you think is more conducive, as well as this coffee shop stuff. <laughs> like, it sounds like, it sounds like there's, like, a, there's, like, a, uh, like, a environment setting aspect of, of like, that you want to, like. That's true. Like, like, almost like a, like a, like a really good host sort of thing. Yeah, right? maybe, you know what, I've never looked at it that way, but maybe that's what it is. Is there, is, now, is there, um, do you have any desires to, uh, to have a family in the future? Um, that's actually not on my list of things to do. Oh, really? Okay. I want to work with kids. I love working with kids, but mm-hmm. I don't think I want any of them. <laughs> you want to be able to clock out, like, I'm done. Yeah. Wash your hands, and then not need to wash them for a while later. Yeah, it's just not even on my list. interesting okay yeah i can i can understand that and um where where like did you have like a strong uh like like kind of like family that it has like a a strong host aspect to them or or is this something that you kind of picked up on your own 
I think it's something I picked up on my own. Oh. Um, for a Greek family, like, my immediate family is smaller probably than most would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, we're close to family as in we'll definitely go over to each other's house for holidays and mm-hmm. they bring their significant others and stuff like that. And my cousins do, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, there's definitely a loyalty factor um, and a willingness to, you know, engage in those activities. But, no, I think for me, it's just me. I can dig it. I like <laughs> I really, it. I really do. <laughs> That's another thing, going back to the female thing. It's just, like, when I say I'm a female going into surgery, like, I get the whole, like, they immediately start in with, people will immediately start in with saying, oh, like, don't worry, like, surgery's changing and you can now have a family. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're assuming I want a family just because I'm a woman. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> so, or even to be married, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's one of those things that kind of comes loaded. It's like, oh, yeah, because there's always, like, talk of, like, uh, of female surgeons, like, getting pregnant. And then that ch- kind of changes things. Versus a guy who's, like, he can just kind of, like, I'm just going to I'm gonna come in the day after my child's born. That yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I will say, like, I've had some interesting. One of the things that actually pushed me more on the surgery train back in third year was actually talking to some male attendings. Really? Um, yeah. And I remember one in particular at Lehigh. He made the statement, like, I'll be damned if my kids don't know who I am. Mm. And it's more like seeing that change in even males mm-hmm. and even hearing some male attendings like that have been in it for a while reflect and wish they had done things differently mm-hmm. in regards to their family, I think was part of the re- another reason why was encouraging for me. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, okay. These people I think are that's huge. Like, yeah, 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 especially not just for women to be considering that, but for males as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was huge. How do you finish the prompt when I die? I want, I want to be content. All right. Good. Yeah. yeah. What would that look like? What would it feel like? Are you content now? Could you die now? Yeah, I, I am content now. Yeah? Truly. Um, which is not probably something I could have said a year or two ago. Um, for me, integrity matters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another really important thing for me. Um, and I, I think being, being, having integrity in who I am as a person and practicing that in my life, whether it's in my career or my personal life, Mm-hmm. And being able to maintain that would probably be a huge part of why I'm content mm-hmm. in the end. And also, you know, having having traveled and started my coffee shop mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff like that. Um, you know, looking back on third year of school, medical school in particular, there are some instances where um, I definitely added more to my schedule and to life with having to engage in situations where approaching it, I had to, sorry, that came out wrong. Let me rephrase that. In order to maintain my integrity, I made my life harder during third year than it had to be sometimes um, by doing the right thing. And I don't regret that at all. Could you provide an example for that? trying to think of something that's there was on a rotation where something I didn't 
I felt patients were being mistreated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt I had to speak up, <laughs> even though it was not even though it was not easy for me to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did it. And I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> All right. That's fair. So that's what I mean about things of integrity mm-hmm. or just like even personal stuff. I, you know, if I'm putting work into something and my name's going on it, like I'm going to put in the time to make sure it's done right. And it's done to an appropriate level. Mm-hmm. And that to me is my own integrity as well. So like living with that. So you living don't, with that. Like, yeah. So you don't need to like reconcile that after the fact. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. I can't believe I said that to that person or I can't believe I let yeah, that thing yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah, you're just like, I'm acting in accordance with my beliefs uh, as I go through life, rather than, so you don't need to rectify situations later. Yeah, yeah, and that boils down to principle. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't, a whole bunch of things. You know, principle, doing right by others. I feel like it's not just doing right by myself, but it's doing right by others, mm-hmm. which we should all feel going into medicine, right? And that's part of integrity. Um, unfortunately, I feel like the healthcare system wears a lot of people down in regards to that. Mm -hmm. It does. Um, Which makes it very hard and understandably so. Um, But that's why I think for me, it's, it's worth it to put more time into things, whether it's little classmates or my own job that I'm doing or taking time to make sure the right action is done that I, I I find important and I want to maintain that moving forward mm-hmm. and throughout my life. And is that, is that sort of what will be the main determiner for you? If as you sit on your deathbed or let's say you're flying through the air and about to hit <laughs> the other side of the cliff, like that you're determining like, Oh, I am content because I have lived my life with integrity. I think it's definitely a huge part of it. Um, Cause I think everything else, not everything else, but a lot of things will stem from that. Mm-hmm. You know, how I structure my career, mm-hmm. how I structure my work environment um, with the people I work with, um, how I treat people in my personal life. Um, I think that's part of just the values that I hold important. And I think integrity is linked with that for me. Mm-hmm. What else do you want me to die? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um. To not be alone. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and I don't really know how to define that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just don't want to feel alone. Especially, you know, not wanting kids. Mm-hmm. I feel like that increases my chance. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. as a kid, I kind yeah. of have to be there. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, not necessarily, but mm-hmm. hypothetically speaking, mm-hmm. having big families lends to not being alone. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people will say that their biggest joy in life was having a big family. And so that when they're older, they can mm-hmm. Look back. take pleasure in that. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it more like a, you just don't want to feel, is it like a, like you just want the, you just don't want to feel abandoned or is it, is there, you really want somebody there with you? No, it's not the abandonment. No, that's an important distinction. It's not abandonment. I think I want, whatever relationships I have at that time to be meaningful, whether it's with a partner, whether it's with friends, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with whomever. Um, I just, you know, I want to know that around that time (laughs) Mm -hmm. that I'm not alone. 
Is there, has there been a death that has affected you, um, that has left an impact on you, um, and one that, or the one that you might have learned things that you want to emulate or that you don't want to emulate in your passing? For me personally, no, actually. Which is odd to say. It's pretty good. To I say hope I'm not least. forgetting anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for me personally, no. I think what I have experienced is friends. I've watched friends experience death, either in their past before I've met them or having been friends with them. And that's been really difficult to see. How so? Um, just I see how it lingers on, even years later. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where you need a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And yeah. like both to a life and a life needs to have a middle and an end yeah. and there needs to know everybody should know that it's ending. And then additionally, in terms of grief, there should be a start, a middle and an end to grief too. And yeah. it's one of those things where if you, if it's, you know, and it sometimes it just has to linger. That's just, that's just the nature of grief sometimes is you need it to linger. Uh, but the other times it's like how much of it was the fact that like the, 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 the circumstances surrounding it, the, the the way that people approached it, just didn't allow for that yeah. thing to grief. Um, it's a, it's a, we're kind of weird about death. We are, we are, <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's obviously different cultures and different countries mm-hmm. view it differently. Um, and I feel like it's extremely important for us to think about being in medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Have you been in the presence of somebody during their passing? Uh, kind of, yes. Kind of, yeah. The situation I, I wrote about, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, the person had been shot. So there's a question of whether he was already dead on arrival and we mm-hmm. were just resuscitating him and keeping him alive because it was mm-hmm. a non-survivable injury. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But have I been around death? Have I had patients on my service die? Yes, mm-hmm. um, including kids. <laughs> um, have I physically been in the room when that happened? No. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from the one I just mentioned. Um, yeah, no. Not with family or relatives either. Mm-hmm. I just jumped right to patients. but Yeah, no, with the patients too. It's like, yeah. cause that's one of those things, like, especially the, the age demographic of most medical students, is you generally won't see a death until you're in medical school really because and even then it might not it might even kind of be shielded away from you by the attendings they're like no you don't need to be there yeah it's like uh it's a very interesting thing yeah yeah um what else do you want when you die you want to not be alone Mm -hmm. we talked about integrity Mm -hmm. i you know i will say this i don't I don't know if this could be considered more shallow, but I definitely want to be successful. Yeah? Yeah. Why is that? Um, as somebody who is very goal-oriented, mm-hmm. that's just how my mind works. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, is there a bar that you think you'll, that is like necessary to cross that threshold to be successful? And that lends a, that lends obviously lends that question, which I don't really know how to answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of one of those things where you feel, you just kind of feel it in your gut. You're yeah. like, Oh, I can go. This is fine. But can. it's like, maybe that just go, boils back down to the integrity thing. Well, mm. maybe I'll define success by 
living life with integrity, having a career that's full of integrity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, now I define success as, you know, making it through, getting through, going into general surgery residency, getting mm-hmm. done with that, potentially doing like a pediatric surgery fellowship. That's how much short term I would define success. <laughs> mm-hmm. Long term would be like, if I do do that career path and, you know, making those impacts I explained earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, paying off debt yeah and so you got this as well the coffee shop Mm -hmm. the traveling um yeah i just think that's a very blanket term to Mm. maybe describe some of the things we already talked about yeah and have you have you thought about that moment of your passing uh, what you would want it to be other than content not alone and while you're successful (laughs) actually no i haven't I have no. You mean like how I would die? Like yeah, like the like going the literal, out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, yeah like, like would you would you go off like like <laughs> like strapped to a bunch of fireworks and or like like how like how uh, have you thought about that? Like what your ideal death would look like? And I feel like this is like pays how do you say it homage to the very American view of death. It's like I have not thought about it. I mean, <laughs> I would prefer it to be in a good situation, like me having fun somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it being inadvertent. While I'm having that fun, so I imagine if it becomes purposeful, then it's not so much fun anymore. Um, but no, I haven't. Probably painless. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's I think that's one. the first place I'll start. Yeah, at. yeah. Because there, there are some like you know, like I, I remember rotating through Moffitt for like a like a really quick thing, and it was just one of those like or, like oral cancers. I'm just like, that's. Thank no, thank you. Like there, there are some yeah. ways where like that are like super painful. Then like I don't no, thank you. If I can yeah. pick, I'll, I'll you know. To those, yeah, those. yeah, and then like Ugh. yeah, that kind of pain going into it is like mm, count me out if I can. Well, this is just you know, no, thank you. But at the same time, it's like yeah, it'd be nice if it was pain, painless. painless. You're just which like, is whoosh. kind of understandable. I think maybe an interesting one is I just now thought of this is. As much as it would make it more difficult, I think I would want all my faculties intact. Mm. Like, I just want to know what's going on. I think it's, I think for me, it's really hard um, to know that, you know, if they, they slow, if patients or people like slowly pass where they're like, they're intubated and blah, blah, blah. Oh, like that. Like, and, and that's not even the worst. I think just like delirious. I just would not want to be in that state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that from a, from a place of, if I meet a patient and all I know about them is that they're delirious, that person was somebody before that delirium took hold. And I will never know potentially who that person was, which is such a discredit to them, right? Because mm-hmm. they might be just swinging at people yeah, and like yeah. spitting and it's like that's not them that really isn't them or what's the word they use pleasantly delirious oh yeah i've seen some pleasantly delirious yeah patients. yeah really nice. they are um but there's still so much more to that person mm-hmm. and i it's sad that i will never be able to see mm-hmm. for the most part who that person is or was mm-hmm. outside of maybe talking to family members or mm-hmm. uh chart review which is so not helpful for anything regarding that. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so to like reverse it and think like, Oh, it could be the opposite. Um, I don't know. It's just, I just would want to know. Mm-hmm. 
there's it's a it's an odd thing because uh you know you hear these stories about um like in nursing homes that there are like cats that kind of like know when somebody's gonna die and they kind of like go up and they cuddle Creepy, it's creepy, true. like and and like how much of that is the bot, like the the biology pre- preparing for yeah. death, and how much of that is 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 important for a good passing, and is that even important for a good passing? Like, is there a good such a, such a thing as good yeah, passing? Yeah, right. And then like if you talk about like like morphining somebody down, and they're just versus you know like there are just so many things. It's like how much of that preparation of your body and your biology getting ready for death is, is like how much is how, does it matter? Does it not matter? Yeah. I don't know. But it's yeah, like somebody like w- like if they're if they're totally zonked out and unable to process what's going on, or if they're so demented that they have they're just uh, kind of in a stupor all the time. It's a very tough thing, and it's like I can't yeah. like what does that mean for their tra- their transition? Yeah, and like I like. Demented, yeah. I, I, with, when it comes to pain control and like morphining somebody, mm-hmm. so they're zonked out, so to speak. Like I, I, I can understand that because that's part of like the painless thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was gonna go somewhere with that, and I forgot. I forgot. I'm sorry. It's all right. You want to move on to after you die? Sure. How do you finish that prompt after I die? Gotta come up with something that I haven't already talked about. <laughs> After I die, what my mind first jumps to is the other people in my life. Mm-hmm. Or that would be in my life. Um, and I think I would just want them to be okay. Um, I hope they don't think back on our relationship or have any regrets I hope they don't you know the truth of human relationships is that there's bound to be negative things in every single relationship that you have here on this earth Mm -hmm. that's just human nature that's just fact Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I hope to the degree if they were to ever think about those things if they were to exist I hope it just wouldn't be one of those like irreparable like awful things you know Mm -hmm. what I mean Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and I just hope they're okay mentally, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and that they can go on and in the future, no matter how close or far it is, have a peaceful life and peaceful death. <laughs> Just like that they're taken care of somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's definitely would be the most important thing. Because at that point, what the heck does it matter what I, what I want? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing else. Yeah. Just and, the people that yeah. you love. Yeah. Probably been being taken care of if I have money or whatever. I want it to make sure. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I would have written a will or yeah. <laughs> something by that point, so yeah. nothing untoward happens with whatever material possessions I have mm-hmm. at that time. That's one of those things I was like, oh, I really need to sit down and just like put yeah. that down to paper. Just, yeah, yeah, and then it'll change. But you know, just get that done. Um, do you have a uh, like a, a vision for the future for for the planet for the for human culture, for like the United States of America, like, like I don't oh even boy. know. Like, do, like, do, is there a direction you want things to go? A positive one. Yeah. Start there. Okay. Good. So oddly enough, I'm not really one that thinks about that stuff. No. At least on like a global scale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without a doubt, I want, as I said, positive things to happen. I I always hope that people stop 
fighting wherever they're currently fighting, but there's also the very realistic parts of me that knows that just because people stop fighting in one area, they'll probably start fighting in another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, unfortunately, if that will ever change, just mm-hmm. be it by human nature. Very unfortunately. But that's also just the very realistic part of me. Um, I tend to focus definitely more on the immediate aspects, even that if that's just constricted to the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's really hard. There's a lot is, to think about. Especially these days. And, not you know, it's not just where I'm at in my personal life, but mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot going on. But I'm sure anybody of any generation w- would say the same thing about their own generation. Oh, there's a lot going on, a mm-hmm. lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, I fear for... minorities in our country. (laughs) Um, I fear for women in this country. (laughs) Um, Are you optimistic or pessimistic? So you want things to go in a positive direction, but do you, do you, what do you think? Like in your gut, do you wake up and you're like, Oh gosh, what's going to happen? Or are you like, Oh, things will be all right. Somewhere in the middle. I think things find a way to be all right. Um, whether somebody has to adjust their scale of what that is Mm -hmm. might change. I don't know if I worded that to the point where it made sense. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Like right now, if I'm looking at our country, it's heading in a negative direction. But at the same time, I look at people and how they've banded together and supported one another Mm -hmm. and been advocating more for these issues that never would have been talked about Mm -hmm. years or decades ago. I wouldn't even say decades. I would say years ago. That to me is encouraging. So I have to adjust my scale Mm -hmm. of what I'm thinking. Cause yeah, like things swing in so many directions and like, Sometimes you need like, uh, you know, sometimes you need a bad guy and like, in like, yeah. you know, for, for a lot of people, uh, like, uh, Obama was the bad guy and they, and they rallied really strong. And now people think Trump's the bad guy and people yeah. are rallying really strong. And it's like, though, un- it's a lot of feelings and, and, and those, th- that, that like movement is, is so interesting because you're like, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't no. know who the next bad guy is no. going to be. No, no. And it could be very promising after just using Donald Trump as an example. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's promising in the fact that people are realizing get so unhappy with this that the next time around it won't be massively screwed up. <laughs> I think, it, I mean, my, my personal opinion on my expressing this, I think it was going to be screwed up regardless of who got in office. Like, yeah. Things are I clearly weird. had one preference over the other, but mm-hmm. not for necessary of two evils type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's just my own personal viewpoints. Um, and I respect people that have others, including people who support Donald Trump. Um, even though that's a little tough too sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think to, for me to answer that question, it just depends on scale mm-hmm. and how I'm framing it. Yeah. I try to think sometimes in like the hundreds of years scale, and it's such a oh, weird yeah. thing to think about. Like, it's just like, I don't, dude, like, we didn't even have 
Like, we barely had airplanes 100 years ago. And, like, I can't even imagine what, it, like, the next 100 years will bring. If we're not teleporting by 100 years from now, I'm going to be severely <laughs> disappointed. Yeah, and, like, like cars are going to be different. Like, what does that even mean to yeah, have a driverless car? I can't car? imagine, actually. I don't, see, I don't think of that stuff either. Just maybe in passing I do. Yeah. Or, like, when I watch a movie, I'm like, oh, That's we don't weird. have that yet. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, you know, maybe you're thinking about it for surgery and like in, yeah. in ways that like I like most people could never think about it. Uh, but we need people in the in the little niche, just like really pushing stuff forward. That's true. And those are like probably more of your big picture type of people. Mm-hmm. I tend to fall somewhere in the middle of that scale. Yeah. And that's why, like, you know, I'm friends with Jess Watson and she tends to think of on a bigger scale. Mm hmm. Like from the public health standpoint, that is n- not me. <laughs> um, I respect that stuff. Do I like, you know, the epidemiology of it and things like that? But you want to work with your hands. Yeah. I like to get up close and personal and mm-hmm. function on that level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but do I go above that scope and enjoy doing that? Yeah. But to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Almost as like a thought experiment rather than like as the whole yeah. of your practice. Because I can, you know, I like research. Mm-hmm. Um, I like doing research, and I think that stuff is important, um, obviously. And that tends to be more bigger scale mm-hmm. 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 Um, and long-term scale. Um, but, you know, for Jess or, you know, Sam in her class who went to, you know, the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. It's like, kudos to them. Like, that's, <laughs> that's freaking awesome. Like, good to them. Like They're very meta. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And I think of that stuff in my brain just, like, explodes. Because mm-hmm. I'm just like, I... I, I can't like how, how like what levers are you pulling <laughs> like what is happening yeah like, I can't get my mind to function on that mm-hmm. scale it's just like I don't know how anybody gets past that point which they do and mm-hmm. that's why people like that are needed <laughs> and that's why leaders and government people are needed because mm-hmm. they think more on that level mm-hmm. scale and so we've been talking for I think like an hour hour and a half something like that yeah. and uh, it's been a really great conversation yeah, this is the no, first time we've been. ever sat down yeah. I remember you giving that address for our like uh, student clinician ceremony I was like oh, yeah. And then uh, when you posted the writings, uh, which I will uh, append to this, like as show notes, because uh, I think it's a, also a really lovely perspective of the the written word and like you know crafted yeah, yeah. sentences. It's really lovely. Oh, thank you. And uh, I'm so glad, so glad. Yeah, no, thank you for doing this. I was I was really excited when you reached out to me to do it. Oh, thank you. Um, and so I want to give you the last uh, few minutes or moments to address the audience directly. Uh, people that are li- listening from the future, uh, whether it's a couple <laughs> weeks from now or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or a couple years from now, um, whoever's listening, uh, the floor is yours. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about this part of it. Um, I think if I were to end on anything, whether it's in encouragement to myself to remember certain things or encouragement to others. I think I would just encourage people to be true to themselves and what to recognize that what their values are, become self-aware of what those things are and to hold on to those things. Um, and hopefully those values are good values. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to not let anybody shake them from shake those values from them. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like this world is set to shake values in people. Um, just because of whether it's a lack of understanding, just disagreeing based off, you know, political, spiritual, whatever it is that leads to kind of that shaking of values. Um, and I think I would just leave it with that for people. It's a good note to end. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Christina. Yeah. No, thank you. This has been, uh, Christina George. 
Jadis. Georgiatus. Georgiatus on deck. <laughs>